Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. We're going to have our reading now, which is from Ephesians chapter 5, verses 21 to 33. Let me pray. Our Father in heaven, as we come to this reading, please might you speak to us through your spirit and by your word that we might be built up as your body to live as your children, particularly in the area of marriage. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the saviour. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. And to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body. But they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery. But I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself and the wife must respect her husband. Our culture is in a bit of a muddle with marriage. On the one hand, our culture says marriage is not a big deal. It's become less and less important. Fewer people are getting married. People live together, buy homes together, have kids together, but no need to get married anymore. But on the other hand, our culture still gets really excited about marriage. It's still the dream for many, isn't it? There's all the excitement of a wedding day, all that money spent on weddings. Did you know the average wedding costs £20,000? You wouldn't spend that on something that isn't important. And there's been a clamour to allow same-sex marriages. The campaign for it was so passionate. But why, if it's not actually a big deal? And the model is producing a messy culture when it comes to commitment. There's this freedom to come in and out of relationships, and it's children who are caught up in it. A child born today in the UK has a one in three chance of not living with both birth parents by the age of 15. Children are now more likely to have a smartphone than a father at home. And there are consequences for them. More than a third of children whose parents split up reported poor mental health, compared to only a fifth 
whose parents were still together. And even if none of that catches your attention, maybe this will, family breakdown costs the UK £50 billion a year. We're in a muddle. In fact, we're in a mess. Now today, we get to see one of the key passages in the Bible about marriage. And there are some wonderful things here, but also some quite countercultural things, things that might offend. But I wonder, though, given the muddle our culture finds itself in, it might actually be quite a good idea to hear what the Bible has to say. In Ephesians, we're hearing how we live as God's new people. And the passage last week ended saying that we should be willing to submit to one another in the name of Christ. That idea is then applied to three life situations, husband and wife, parents and children, and at work. And we've got the first of these today. Here we'll see God's vision for marriage. We'll see the roles given to husbands and wives. We'll answer some objections along the way. Our culture may not like some of it, but it's from God and it's good for us. I think there'll be stuff here for those who are single as well as the married, and I think there'll be stuff for those who aren't Christians as well as those who are. So please stick with me as we get into this passage. So here's the big thing to take away today. Marriages are miniature versions of Christ and the church. Marriages are miniature versions of Christ and the church. We love miniatures, don't we? They're like the real thing, but smaller. So Christmas is coming. One of the best things are those boxes of miniature chocolates. You know, what's your favorite? I love the mini galaxy caramels. The Lego miniatures that we see, they're so much fun too. That Lego model of church, it was just brilliant. And so many children's toys are miniature versions of big things in the world. Cars, trucks, trains, horses, playhouses. When I was a kid, I did those models of Spitfire aeroplanes. You know, even as adults, I think we still quite enjoy that sort of thing, don't we? It strikes me that with miniatures, the excitement flows in both directions. Do you know what I mean? If you like the big thing, you'll really appreciate the model too. If you love cars, the toy car is also fun. But if you think the model is good, how much more excited are you by the main thing? Like when a kid sees a real steam train for the first time. Well, marriages are miniature versions of Christ and the church, and they're both brilliant, and each should get us excited about the other. So let's see this in the passage. Verse 22. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the saviour. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. So it's an instruction about human marriage, but it's because of Christ and the church. Throughout Ephesians, Paul has been talking about how we are united to Jesus. We become one with him. And the illustration Paul keeps using is of a body and a head. Jesus is the head, the church are the body. And Paul now takes this big idea and says the same thing is going on with marriage. Husbands take the head position like Christ and wives take the church position as the body. 
And it's the same when he's talking to husbands. Verse 25, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. So it's the same reasoning. How does a husband find out the role he should play? By looking at how Jesus treats the church. I think verse 31 in particular is remarkable. It's a quotation from Genesis 2. When God had made Adam and Eve and the first marriage had taken place, it then says this, For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. It's a famous verse. A husband and wife become one flesh. But what does that mean? People often ask about it. It's a bit mysterious, a deep and special unity, which is hard to describe. And Paul, he agrees that it is a mystery. Verse 32, this is a profound mystery. But I am talking about Christ and the church. And he switched again. You might actually remember uh, back in chapter 3, Paul's already called the unity of Christ and the church a mystery. And now here, he says that mystery and this mystery are the same mystery. Marriage came right at the beginning of the Bible story. It was the climax of creation. But Paul is saying that even then it was just a model of something bigger that God had planned. Before the creation of the world, God planned this marriage between Christ and the church. The Bible story is one great romance. And in order to help us understand that, he filled the world with lots of miniature versions, all the marriages between men and women. And if we're excited about one, we should be excited about the other too. Perhaps you joined us today hoping to find out more about Christianity. And you might have been a little disappointed to hear us just talking about marriage. Well, please don't be. This is also the very heart of Christianity. It's how Jesus loves us and comes to save us. So we can live with him for eternity. Marriages are miniature versions of Christ and the church. And I think this means a number of things for us. Firstly, marriage in general is important. It's not just some outdated institution. It's from God. Removing marriage from society will do harm. Redefining marriage will do harm. It's not a little thing. Marriage is important. Secondly, each marriage is special. Your marriage matters. Other people's marriages matter. Wedding anniversaries are special occasions. Adultery is a horrible sin. So is abuse. Entering marriage should not be taken lightly. Your marriage is a miniature version of Christ and the church. But thirdly, marriage, it's not everything. It's just the model. Though it's good... Many will not marry for various reasons, through choice, through circumstances. For some, it just won't happen. And all marriages will end in death or some in divorce. But we should be okay with that. Because really, it's a picture of the ultimate marriage for all Christians. And then one more thing. This shows us that marriage has equality and difference. With Christ and the church, there is equality and difference. The difference is clear. He's the son of God. We're just people. It's the equality that is a shock. We are united to him, so treated as very sons and daughters of God. Can you believe it? 
And it's the same in human marriage. Equality as we're equals getting married, but difference as it's a man and a woman. And difference as one becomes the head, the other the body. It's a difference of role. In many areas of life, we have differences of role. Some are given positions of responsibility, teachers, judges, officers in the army, bosses, parents. And they're not more special people. Those under them are not inferior. They just have that role. And sometimes in life we're in one role, sometimes we're in another. And we're expected, aren't we, to respect the role of those over us. And when we're in that position of responsibility, we're to conduct ourselves well and for the good of those under us. And that's the same with husbands and wives. We're equal, but we take different roles. Now this leads to the two areas of application for today. A command for wives and a command for husbands. Wives submit. Husbands love. Wives first. Verses 22 to 24. Wives submit. As a Christian who submits to Jesus as Lord, submit also to your husband as the head of your marriage. Accept that he has the God-given role as head, the responsibility for the family. And so let him lead and, and you follow. Now you might say, isn't this culturally outdated? We've moved on from the patriarchy. A woman isn't passed from her father to her husband as some commodity. Well, indeed, but did you know that women's rights came from Christianity? The world Christianity grew up in certainly didn't treat women well. And many nations now that have not been shaped by Christianity still don't. Christianity uniquely gave women rights as equals with men. But as well as giving us value, God is happy to give roles. And it might be countercultural, but as it comes from God, it is good. But to that you might say, are you sure it's good? Could it not be argued to be a mandate for abuse? Well, certainly this may have been used in that way, but that is a sinful distortion. And it's to take only the instruction for wives and ignore the command for husbands to love sacrificially. I want to say, if you are being abused in any way by your husband, that's not okay. You don't have to accept it. Please tell someone. Find a trusted friend or get in touch with someone from church or just go to the police if you need to. Biblical submission really is a good thing, but it needs to be carefully understood. It's not about being forced down like a wrestler pinning their opponent until they submit, like an authoritarian government breaking the will of the people. No, it's a willing acceptance of another's leadership like Christians voluntarily accepting Jesus as our Lord it's taking a role each and playing your part well and it can bring joy and fulfillment and a happy life I'm sure many in the church family today will testify to that What will it actually involve? Well, I think there's a mindset, a disposition, a general way of thinking. I will let him lead. But every couple needs to work it out for themselves. It need not be the husband going out to work, the wife at home looking after the kids. I know in this church there are plenty of godly examples of couples doing all sorts of things. It's the general pattern 
put into practice in your own way. Perhaps it will be in big and small decisions. Big family decisions, they should be discussed together. But if there's still disagreement, the husband being responsible for the family and in love, he makes the final call. But then not everything need to be a discussion. You know, in the little things, this general disposition to accept requests or suggestions from your husband, it will go a long way. It will be a blessing. So wives, submit. And then husbands, love. You know, this was the countercultural thing for the Ephesians. And this is the longer section in our passage. So husbands, we shouldn't be sitting comfortably. Husbands, Love, love like Christ loved the church. Verses 25 to 30. How did Christ love? He gave himself up for her. So this is sacrificial. It will cost us. It will be hard. And it was for the church's good. We know how much Christ does for us. Look at all of this stuff here. He makes us holy. He saves us from our sin. He's cleansing us. One day we'll be blameless and beautiful. So our love for our wives will be for their good, for their flourishing. They should be becoming a more beautiful human being because of living with us. Remember your wedding day? When they walked into the church, you were probably standing at the front and you turned and looked and saw them so radiant and beautiful. Well, our goal should be that over the years... And by the time we reach old age, they are a more beautiful person than ever before. Beautiful as they fill up more and more who God would have them to be. Holy and pure. Well, wrinkles for sure, but without blemish. A wonderful, godly person, in part due to how we have nurtured them. So what in practice, again, it's hard to give specifics. It will be different for each marriage. But a disposition To do whatever is best for our wives at whatever cost for ourselves. You come home from work tired, you just want to have a beer, put the football on. But you've actually said that you would help your wife with something. So you keep your word without grumbling. Or maybe your wife says she can't manage to do a quiet time each day. She's got her work, she's got the kids, she just can't find the time. So you say, well, okay. I'll get up 15 minutes early every day and I can sort out the kids and you can have 15 minutes more time because that time with God for her is more important than your time in bed. We're to be the spiritual leaders in our families. With our kids too, we'll see more of this next week. We love them by taking the lead, not neglecting our responsibility. As a counterexample, though, I suppose we also love our wives by not micromanaging. They're willing to submit to us, but we don't need to have a say in every area of their life. We give them space to flourish. Husbands, love your wives. Now look, I've painted a pretty rosy picture, haven't I? But the reality is marriage is hard in lots of ways. It's hard because sometimes there are arguments, sometimes there's neglect, sometimes abuse. It's hard when we had such high hopes going into marriage, but then we're disappointed. It's hard when you're not married and you wish you were. It's hard when you wish you could have kids, but you can't. Like all of life. 
There's lots in marriage which is hard. So let's end by remembering there is a bigger and better marriage. It's Christ and the church. That marriage which will be sealed when we meet with him in heaven on that last day. And we'll live with him in perfect happiness. A happiness which is for us all. A happiness which takes the joy of marriage and magnifies it to its full scale. A happiness which is tainted by nothing, no disappointments, no arguments, no abuse. Our husband then will be Jesus Christ himself, the one with all power, and he uses it in love for us. The joy you felt on your wedding day, or the joy you wish you might feel, it will be so wonderfully surpassed on that day. And I pray that the joy of that day might drive us on each this day. And our marriages now might become just a little picture, a miniature model of that marriage to come. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, thank you so much for uniting us with Christ. We praise you for that marriage. We long for the day when we will see him face to face and experience the full eternal joy of the greater marriage. Please help us in all our marriages now. Please help husbands and wives and all of us in whatever situation we are. Please help us to do marriages well. For your sake we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen.